Hello. Hello, Simon. Oh, that's a jaunty tune you're playing there. Yeah, today's intro, um, introduction music was by Young Blood on YouTube, oh, yeah. and it was called 100% Free Punjabi Music. Oh, that's my favourite, that is. I, I heard a cover of it, actually, a few weeks ago. <laughs> it's quite a catchy title, isn't it? It is, isn't it? Yeah, but it's it's one of those songs that you'll hear on the beach, you know, all summer this year, won't you? you know? And you'll go, oh, like, God, 100% yeah, that, free it, Punjabi music. It's like an earworm, isn't it? You know, you'll, you'll go on to the beaches of Italy and Spain and everything, and, like, they'll all be <laughs> In the playing. beaches of Italy. <laughs> the beaches of Italy, yeah, all down the coasts where they have those beaches and things. And, um, yeah. So what have you been up to this week, then? Well, um, I've been getting... That was really uh, that was really natural, wasn't it? That was, <laughs> that was sorry. Week, and I'd just taken a, a big gulp of my San Pellegrino. Um, so I was oh, expecting you? it. Yeah, I got the, oh, the San Pellegrino after your, after your recommendation. I didn't get it from Costco, though. No, no, no. It's fair enough. I understand uh, this that. week, I've been annoyed at the bigots of the world oh god um, haven't we all yeah it's been terrible hasn't it and i've also um i had a bit of a mishap in the bath actually so i thought you know with all with all of the, these horrible things going on around the world um i, I wanted to like relax and unwind in my bath so um, of course we all do don't we now more yeah. than ever i think yeah. so just to just to forget about uh racists and diseases and things yeah um so to help me forget about the racists and the diseases and things, I went yeah. in the um, I went in like the cupboard with all with all like the bathy stuff, like oh, you, yeah. you know, like all, all your different flannels, your selection of loofers, that kind of thing, like my bath your salts. arsenal, all my your salts. salts. Yeah. yeah, I went in there and I found I think the uh, missus had got this bath bomb from Lush or something, so oh, I got yeah. that, chucked it in. It didn't do anything for me. Um, I had a really hot bath, didn't do anything. Turns out that yeah. um, it was just an onion in that cupboard and oh, I just put no. an onion in the bath with me. Oh. I know. But the good thing was it softened it up a little bit, the yeah. hot water. So so after I'd finished the bath and realised that it was just an mm. onion, I did have some, some food to lift my spirits. So, Well, that's one in the eye for the racists, isn't it? I think it is, yeah. Although I kind yeah. of feel like... They won because I didn't enjoy my bath. No, I don't think they'll ever win. Really, to be perfectly honest. No, no, it's not, not <laughs> really. We're not really looking for a winner, are we? In when it comes to like, race politics. No, I mean I know that the I know the theme of our um, episode this week is sport, but yeah, you're right. It's not really a sport, is it? <laughs> Racism isn't a sport. No, we must no. clarify that to the listeners. Do not yeah. treat it as a sport. <laughs> no, because uh, there might be some impressionable listeners out there who who will listen to what we're saying and take it as uh, as gospel, and then all of a sudden we'll have you know people saying, "Ah, oh, well, we we were doing racism as a sport." You know, we had like we organised it into the a local league, team, oh, into the local team of racists, and that's all basically because we listened to the sacred cow. Yeah, we we don't want to affiliate ourselves with um, groups of local teams of racists. No, we don't, no. Um, on a similar note, uh, my week um, was uh, enlivened by the fact that the uh, horse racing came back. Yay! 
I know. So I settled down in front of the TV on uh, Monday um, to watch the 325 at Newcastle. Yeah. Um, but, um, of course, because it's lockdown, you see, um, things are very, very different. Um, I'd, I'd received a huge tip from somebody. Well, uh, I'd, I should like to receive a huge tip from somebody, but it never <laughs> seems to happen. <laughs> anyway... <laughs> I'd, I'd received a huge tip from somebody, uh, and it was uh, Windsock at thirty-three to one in the um, in the three twenty-five at Newcastle. A complete outsider, but because of lockdown rules, of course, you know the idea that uh, you know six people are now allowed to meet in a garden. Yeah, what they did was they basically got the six six jockeys in the garden with the six horses and made them do the race in the garden. Oh, wow. So basically it was Terry's garden. Terry was one of the jockeys. So he invited the other five round and they all had to go um, through the, through the house. The, um, the jockeys went through the house, but the horses went through the garage because they had a, a big garage and then they had a, a big door yeah. out the back. Uh, and then they, they, they mounted the, um, the horses out in the garden and the race started on the patio. And then basically they had to go along the right-hand fence um, up to where the shed is, you know? Yeah, I yeah. don't know the garden, but I'm trying no. to picture it. Yeah, and then they had to go around the uh, the, the pond at, at the bottom and then down the other side, down the fence, and then it was the first past the barbecue one. And, um, I mean, the race lasted for 15 seconds. I mean, to be honest, it wasn't really a race because they're all just all over the place, really. I mean, yeah. they didn't know what they were doing. <laughs> um, but my horse came second, so... Um, does that um, mean you win anything? Well, no, it came second, but but luckily I, I, I had the horse each way. So my case comes up on Tuesday. Hey. Hey. <laughs> I've, I've never actually placed a bet. On, um, on horse racing, on the dogs, or on on anything. So I don't I don't know how it all works. It's like a sort of mysterious world to me. Do you want me to mansplain what an each way bet is to you? I yeah, could, I, I could do that. I don't know if it'll be very funny, but I could do that. No, no, I I just quite like to know now. I can't right. wait till the end of the podcast. So I don't want to know. <laughs> all right, uh, an each way bet is basically if you've got a horse that's like got long odds, you know, like thirty three to one. You could bet yeah. on it to win, but it's unlikely to win. So if you bet on it each way, what that means is you're in effect putting on two bets, one that the horse will win and one that the horse will be placed. And if the horse doesn't win but is placed, you get a quarter of the odds. And so what does placed mean? Placed means if it's a six-horse race, it would be first and second. Okay. If, it, if it's a nine-horse race, I think it's first, second and third. And if it's anything over 16 horses, it's uh, the first four places, like the Grand National. Okay. Um, I'm sure in the edit we could make that funny. but uh... Yeah, we'll think, we'll think of some jokes afterwards to add in. But no, <laughs> yeah. I, feel, I feel nicely informed. You, but... you could just edit that out. I mean, you know. Yeah, it's, uh, it's go... not... No, it's all right, Simon. I'll save the explanation for the end. Shall I do a Dixie horn and you can just edit that in? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was a oh, rip tickler, wasn't it? So um, it looks as though uh, I know what's coming next because we've agreed a running order. We have, but it's yes. further up the conversation than I can go because my jingles are at the bottom of our conversation. So you, you're in charge of the running order. I am, aren't I? That's right. Okay. Well, it looks to me like it's Simon's Guide to Baseball. 
Okay. Oh, is there a jingle? Uh, there, there is a jingle. Yes. Um, if you just give me a second, uh, uh, obviously in the edit we can uh, uh, make sure that uh, yes. Here we yeah, go. I'll shorten the right. time. Yes. Okay. Uh, Simon's Guide to Baseball. To us Brits, it's a mystery. The costumes, the lingo, the law. She's a mysterious lady, all right. But look closer, without, of course, invading her personal space, making sure that she's comfortable with your proximity and, above all, listening for and respecting her consent. And you'll find that she's not so different after all. Rounders, cricket, even French tennis are her close cousins. Though she doesn't keep in touch much these days, they're more like Facebook friends, though sometimes she feels like reaching out, but she fears rejection. So here is my guide to baseball. <laughs> this is Simon's guide to baseball. This is Simon's guide to baseball. This is Simon's guide to baseball. Bada 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 showing. There we go, and that's the jingle. That's such a good jingle. Thank you very much. I'm there's glad, a cat as well it. at the end. There's, there's a cat. Yes, there is a cat at the end as well. Uh, anyway, here we are at Fenway Park. Uh, you can tell because there's a loop from the Freesound website, which I've uh, um, which I've put on a loop, which will play continuously. And, while and we talk. can hear it this time. And you can hear it this time as well. That's right. So, yeah. Um, so here we are at Fenway Park. Um, and I'm going to give you five fascinating facts about baseball. Lovely. Okay. Are you ready? I'm and ready. So here, here comes fascinating fact number one. <laughs> that actually happened just now. Okay. So fascinating fact number one. The measure of a baseball player's batting performance is referred to as their batting average. If you hit the ball and manage to move to at least first base, that's called a hit. A player might bat five times in a game, and if they hit the ball twice, that's two for five, or a batting average of 0.400. Okay? Yeah. The, ab the average batting average in Major League Baseball yeah. was just 0.248 which means that on average, batters failed to hit the ball and move to first base nearly eight out of ten times. Therefore, failure is inbuilt into baseball, which is ironic since the American ethos is all about winning. Mm. Most baseball players suffer deep depression, which isn't helped by the fact that there's lots of yummy hot dogs on sale in the stands and they can't have any. However, in 1987, the New York Mets rebelled in the middle of a home series game against the Astros and walked into the stands, bought every hot dog they could and ate them. It was known as the hot dog game. <laughs> and that's my first fascinating you don't, fact. You don't get that in rounders, do you? You don't get that in rounders or French tennis, no. No. Okay, here comes fact number two. That happened as well. Okay. <laughs> All right. Fact number two. Since we're here at Fenway Park, uh, in 1919, having just won the World Series, the Red Sox sold Babe Ruth to the Yankees. He went on to become the greatest player of all time. The Red Sox then failed to win the World Series for 85 years until 2004. 
the reason for this failure was referred to as the curse of the Bambino, because Babe Ruth was known as the Bambino. Okay. Yeah, what many people don't realise is it wasn't true. And the Red Sox did win the World Series because in 1957, Ted Williams, their most famous player, led the team into Fenway Park one October and had the players act out a game with glove puppets for the opposing team. Other players made crowd noises and the trophy was a big cake that Ted had baked and the World Series rings were made from ring pulls. Then they all drank fizzy pop and fell asleep. When they woke up the next morning, it all felt like a magical dream. Wow. So they actually won then? From They did. But, oh, it was all a, but it was all a dream. Okay, here comes fascinating fact number three. Right then. We'll never tire of that, really, will we? That, that happened. It did happen, yeah. Uh, okay, here comes fact. And here comes fascinating fact number three. Um, right, here we go. So, in baseball, as in life, things fall on you. In baseball, a lollygagger is a pitch thrown up into the air like a Yorker in cricket. A can of corn is a ball hit up high in the air that's easy to catch. A chocolate fudge sundae is where you run back to the fence to catch the ball and a large bird defecates into your mitt. In a game between the Dodgers and the Diamondbacks in 1991, Dizzy Legend, the centre fielder, actually threw the bird defecation to second to get the runner out for a 4-6-3 double play, which in the rules of baseball is allowable. Fascinating stuff, eh? Would you like another fact? Yeah, yeah. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go, indeed. Right, number four, franchises. In Britain, unless you count Wimbledon moving to Milton Keynes to become the MK Dons, they don't happen. But franchises are the outfit which is based in the city that can move around geographically. So, for example, the Dodgers move from Brooklyn to L.A., the Braves move from Boston to Milwaukee and the Giants move from New York to San Francisco. Other franchises moved, uh, uh, that moved around were the Amish, the Rimmers, the Etsy pop-up hemp fashion boutique owners and the Minneapolis racist cops. <laughs> okay, so uh, not only was uh, that a fascinating fact, but it was also the politics too. Yeah, that's, that's right. a good thing. Now, I always thought, sorry to mm. interrupt. That's that okay. Wasn't Milton Keynes' football team not originally called the MK Dons, but called MK Ultra? I think they were. They were called MK Ultra. That's right. They were like the Ultras in uh, Italy. Yeah. The, the, <laughs> the, the rampantly racist uh, fascist right-wing fans. Yeah. And, um, they try. Yes, that's right. They do. They do indeed. That's right. Um, interestingly enough, I have a friend who uh, used to walk around MK1, you know, the Milton King shopping centre. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, walking around, going up to the security guard saying, can you tell me where the local virgin is? Uh, because he thought it was hilarious to ask for where the record shop was by saying, can you tell me where the nearest virgin is? Oh, I see. I, yeah, a- they all shut down in the 90s, didn't they? I think. Yeah, and that's why it was funny. Uh, <laughs> okay, would you like the fabulous, f- fascinating final fact? Well, yes, I'd love the fabulous, fascinating final fun fact. Here it comes. 
I love that jingle so much. Right, number five. A bunt is where you don't hit the ball, but let it hit your bat and drop to the floor. This means that the hitter will be out, but they can move a runner from first to second in a tight game. It's referred to as a sack bunt because it's a sacrifice. You've sacrificed yourself hmm. for the good of the team. But where does the word bunt come from? Well, the word bunt comes from the fact that originally the pitch would hit the bat and then the hitter would ask, is it okay to put up some bunting around the bullpen as it was one of his fellow's player's birthday? Then the game would temporarily stop while preparations for the party were made. And as the candles on the cake were lit and the player was about to blow the candles out, the runner would move from first to second. Hence the bunt. They sound like a, a fun group of lads, these baseball players, don't they? They do, like, don't they? Yeah, I bet you're kind of really into baseball now, having having heard all that. Yeah, I mean, all this stuff about cakes and having a giggle with your, with your best mates, it, sound, it sounds... Sweet. Sounds like like good good fun. Good it does, doesn't it? We've left Fenway Park, by the way, because I've just switched off the uh, the sound. Yes, we have. So. We're back in the studio in Soho, aren't we? Yeah. So I'll just leave us with our with our jingle to say thank you. I hope you've enjoyed listening to all about baseball. I've Simon's. certainly been informed. Yeah, I, I certainly have been too. Here we go. This is Simon's Guide to Baseball. This is Simon's Guide to Baseball. This is Simon's Guide to Baseball. Bada 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 showing. There you go, an item where quite possibly the jingles were funnier than, than the material. But uh... I, I just realised that the jingle sounds a bit like Derek the Psychic. It does a bit sound like Derek this the Psychic, doesn't it? Derek's guide to psychics. <laughs> I'm sorry, I've plagiarised you. Did you like the bada 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 showing bit? Yeah, that was, that was a good bit because it reminded me of a song in High School Musical. Oh, did it really? I think there's a High School Musical song called Bada 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 Shawing or something like that, isn't there? Is there really? I don't know. I'm not, fam- I'm not familiar with. I'm not familiar with all of the High School Musicals uh, work. So. Uh... Oh really? Oh, the first one's at a high school. Second one is. Shall I save this till the end of the podcast? Well, I was going to say this sounds like a segue into a into a um, Ashley Tisdale uh, item. Uh, should we do that then? Let's do that then, yeah, because even though in the running order it says the quiz next. Oh, does it say the quiz? We'll do the quiz then. <laughs> just do the quiz <laughs> next then. I was genuinely just going on about um, high school musical, eh? Yeah, you and your high school musical. Yeah, I know you. Just keep on talking while I find the jingle. I know you and your sharp A obsession. What am I like? What are you like, eh? What is this? It's the weird British sports quiz. Oh, I love that. That was, that was a beautiful piece of music, Sam. Beautiful Thank piece you. of music. Yeah, I, I wrote that one with Ian Brown of the Stone Roses in about 1986, I must say, in a, oh, in a yeah. garage um, out the back of his nan's place. So anyway, yeah, it's the uh, weird British sports quiz um, where I quiz you, Simon, about some odd British sports. So, oh, that's, I've been looking forward to this all week. And, and Glenn, the listener, is... Uh, 
is uh, is listening to perhaps glenn can play along maybe yeah i mean if he wants to answer in the in the chat we'll read out his answers and see how well he does as well um now the, the first one uh, first mm. question since 1980 williston yeah. school near nantwich cheshire has yeah. staged the world championships in which of these sports fly swatting llama mm. racing beekeeping or worm charming well, do you want me to answer it or? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, uh, bird charming, but a uh, worm charming. So you I... think worm charming? Glenn, the listener, thinks beekeeping. Um, yeah. The answer is worm charming. And um, was it um, really? So yeah, I got, the, I got the right answer. You did. You did, Glenn. You were wrong. Sorry, but yeah, it's where oh. they sort of tap the ground to make worms come up, like the, the birds do. Pretty weird. Um, question the, number two. Oh, sorry. Do, do the birds really do that? Uh, but yeah, birds do like a little, a little dance, and they sort of tap on the ground to try and get the worms to come up so they can eat them. Oh right, I see. Well, I think you've made that up for the purposes of this uh, quiz, but I'll I'll go along with it. It's all absolutely true. It's not bollocks. And um, <laughs> question it's, two. It is bollocks. It's true. Go on then, do another one. Do another one. Glenn, it's true. Um, each August since 1995, yeah. the small mid Wales town of Lanwood, Wales, has played host to the World Championships in which sports? Is it one, tree climbing, mm. two, mountain unicycling, three, <laughs> Bog snorkeling or four wimberry picking. Wimberry picking. No, I've just said I haven't answered the question. I just said the last thing again. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> that's how that's how you got my answer for the first question. So I just said something out loud, and then you, I hadn't actually considered any oh, of them okay. at all. But anyway, <laughs> and now I've pretty much forgotten. Landridrod Wells, I think you're fine. Land Landwitod. Lanwitod. Lanwitod. Oh. I, I can speak a bit of Welsh, you know. Can, it's L-L-A-N-W-R-T-Y-D. Oh, is it? Oh, right. Oh, well, that's something. Then. <laughs> um, I, I think it might be with the wind, but I'm going to go with Glenn on this one. Uh, I'm going to go for Wimbury picking. Nope. Oh, that's not a sport. Oh, it was no. mountain unicycling. Oh, was it really? Yeah, and it, it's really hard as well because, um, as you know, I can ride a unicycle, and and to go downhill actually takes a lot out of your legs because you're you're having to be the brakes of it by stopping mm. the wheel naturally turning out in front of you. Got a lot of respect for those Welsh mountain unicyclers. Ah, Cumbria and Bith. That means Wales forever. Oh yeah, Wales forever and ever. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Question three: Cooper's question three. Hill in Gloucestershire or Gloucestershire for our American listeners has staged an, un, uh, an unusual annual event in May for many, many years. Yeah. Which sport is staged there? Is it cheese rolling? Is it Cowpat Frisbee Open Championships? Oh. Is it egg chucking or is it nut gathering? Oh, Christ. Um, I think you, you said Gloucestershire, didn't you? I did. Now, you see, I would have no idea what the answer would be if you hadn't said Gloucestershire. But I know for a fact 
that cheese rolling in Gloucestershire are as synonymous as Minneapolis and brutal police racism. So therefore, oh. I am going to go with cheese rolling. You've gone cheese rolling. Glenn has said the Frisbee one, Badger Ching. Uh -huh. You're both wrong. It was the nut gathering. Good Lord. Yeah, I put the cheese one in because of double Gloucester as a bit of a red herring. Shut the front door. I shan't. <laughs> <laughs> Question four. Okay. Ashton in Northamptonshire or... Uh -huh. Northamptonshire, for our American listeners, has held an <laughs> annual world championship every October. In which sport? Is it number one, British Bulldogs, number two, Marbles, number three, Conkers, or number four, Tiddly Winkies? Did you call it British Bulldogs? British Bulldogs, yeah. I think it's just called British Bulldog, isn't it? I didn't think it was dogs. No, but loads, loads of people play it. That's why when we play football, it's called football because there's only one. Well, you see, the thing is about British Bulldog is that as far as I remember at school, that British Bulldog replaced Chinese Shinty because, of course, that was deeply racist. So uh, so that's why we, we all played British Bulldog, which seemed to involve running up and down the, uh, the playground, um, trying to get from one side to the other without being caught. Yeah, and, and being being caught means that you get struck to the ground and injured. Yes, was, that's right, was, yeah. You'd always get it, the biggest lad in the middle and he'd have to tackle you down and all the people that got tackled down form a team against the remainder of the players. Yes, that's right, yeah. So I'm going to go with British Bulldog. Um, it's interesting to see what Glenn's come up with. He says, should I refer to you guys as French if I'm being American? Oh, you don't have to be American. You can be Canadian. I, uh, we have listeners because uh, we do replays of this one. So mm. and we've got some American fans and they can't understand our Britishisms. Mm. So, Can I just say to Glenn, isn't Tim Horton's coffee awful? See if he responds. Yes, he responds. Because, <laughs> of course, as every good Canadian knows, Tim Horton's coffee is appalling. But the Timbits are amazing. Do you know what a Timbit is, Sam? No, I don't. You know what the hole is in a donut? Yes. Well, there's nothing there, is there? So there's the idea is, if you go to a Tim Hortons, they do Timbits, and Timbits are the holes that you get in donuts, so the little balls, donut balls. Oh, and you, okay. get like, you get like a box of them, and you don't know what's going to be in them at all. Um, well, you know well, it's like going to be... Or... Well, yeah, it's going to be like concrete or broken <laughs> glass. Anthrax. <laughs> <laughs> I think they were going to uh, 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 they were going to open some Tim Hortons in London actually but uh, that would have been like a brilliant yeah. prank to play on their first UK guests yeah Glenn says Tim Hortons in general is crap uh, regards to what they sell and he's yeah he's pretty much right but you know I mean if but I mean it would be pretty crap if you if you found like concrete or broken glass I mean, what, it would what, be. wasn't there a thing in the 90s about like I think it was just one of these like media things to scare everyone yeah. where before, before baby formula and stuff mm. had those pop lids that you could yeah. see if they'd been opened, that someone was putting glass in baby food or something in the UK. I think they were doing. Yeah. Do you remember I, I, I said in a previous episode, I used to work at the Cowangate factory in Wells. Oh, it wasn't you, was it? No, but quite, quite often the bottles would get kind of smashed on the conveyor belt. So I wonder sometimes if it was deliberately put in there or if it just accidentally got in there. 
Oh wow! But, um, I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, I don't make the rules around here, so you know. Yeah, Cowan Gate. If you want to, if you want to send us any free uh, Cowan Gate stuff, just for mentioning you so much at Cowan Gate, uh, feel free to. They, you'd imagine that uh, that uh, I have shares in them and Costco. Uh, in the <laughs> yeah. Times I mention them. Would you want the last question? Yes, please. Which of these sports was first created in Great Britain in 1954? Is it number one, swamp football? Number mm. two, underwater hockey? Number three, wheelchair basketball? Or number four, donkey polo? Donkey polo. Imagine the ridiculous image of donkey polo. I'm just trying to imagine a polo flavoured with donkey, basically. <laughs> Okay, that would really be. Do you remember was... in the nineties when that guy was going around putting donkey in polo? Actually, you know the holes in the middle of polos. Yes. They do these things called donkey bits, which are <laughs> just the holes from the middle of polos. But with the word donkey appellated to them. That's right. Yeah. God, they're they're clever, aren't they? Um, what was I going to say? Uh, no, I think the answer was the underwater wheelchair one. Was it underwater? It wasn't wheelchair? underwater wheelchair. Wasn't one of them. Can you not have underwater? Can't un, I think I think I have to say, Sam. I'm going to call you out on this one. How uh, disabledist, how ableist it is to say that people who are in wheelchairs can't go underwater. Well, they can. They just don't. They can't swim very well. No, but that's not the point. Though is what you're you're being ableist because you're denying the fact that somebody in a wheelchair can go in the water, even if they can't. Well, no, no, swim. they can. They can. They can. They can do it. Yeah. They've got the freedom to do it. I'm just yeah. saying, if I, I wouldn't expect it to be very popular. You know, well, that's well, that's the thing. But I mean, the thing is, is that you you can't deny somebody the right to want to get into the into the water in a wheelchair and drown. That because that's just that's as I say, that's ableist. That's you know. Yeah, I mean that's that's white male patriarchy, you know, writ large, isn't it? So. I mean, yeah, um, um, it reminds me of that old mm. joke: um, what's purple, orange, and sits at the bottom of a swimming pool? I don't know. A baby with burst armbands. Now, here's the second part: <laughs> what's orange, red, and sits at the oh, sorry, yeah, what's orange, red, and goes yeah. to the top of a swimming pool? I don't know. Armbands with a burst baby. <laughs> it's the old that's, ones that are the best. That's a clever two-part joke, but I, I do. I think you're discriminating against babies there. <laughs> it was underwater hockey was the real one that was. Well, that was that was what I was going to say. <laughs> Actually, I, no, I was going to say the wheelchair one. Wheelchair but basketball. I, but I was so determined to be woke that I uh, actually got the wrong answer. Do you know what? I'm so I'm so woke. I don't yeah. even I don't even sleep. <laughs> do, do you not think that the associations with that that horn could? You should have given a trigger warning, really, to Glenn. I mean, <laughs> I watched the Dixie, a video. The Dixie horn. <laughs> I watched a video about Roy Rogers today, but it had a trigger warning. <laughs> oh, that joke is so funny! I've been oh. laughing at that all afternoon. <laughs> no one else gets it though. No, they don't. Not on the yesteryears side. No, you can't say the name of it because our listeners yeah. will join and find us, <laughs> and then we'll be outed as phonies. I know we are wrecking that site, aren't we? Basically, <laughs> we just since we wrecked it, they've now they've now put a limit to how many posts you can do a day. 
Oh, really? Yeah. I still haven't posted that picture of a gammon and said, does anybody remember gammons? I've you know, done it. I did a good one today about, does anyone remember Borstal? What was in your folder when you got out? Yeah, I didn't get that, but I don't, what do you mean what's in your folder? Like when you come out of Borstal, they have that little yeah. folder with all the stuff that you had when you came in. So like, it's normally like a comb or a oh, can opener or, or some, some shit that you think that you can bring in that would be right. useful, but they say it's a weapon. Yeah. Or a copy of Italo Calvino's If on a Winter's Night a Traveller. That's right, that yeah. Thing. Yeah, yeah. And then you get it when you come out, you know, and uh, with your comb and your pen knife and your packet of Yeah, I mean I mean they yeah. say they say that um if on a winter's night a traveller by Italo Calvino is mm. the uh, the best book that's ever been smuggled into a borstal. But yeah. um I don't think that Italo Calvino's If on a Winter's Night uh, Traveller is even the best book in that one kid's folder. <laughs> God, that's, I'm glad we've resurrected a running joke from season one. Yeah, Glenn's that. just so confused. <laughs> oh, Glenn wants the answer to the previous question. It was the underwater hockey. Uh, yeah, was it was, sport. wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. That was a quiz which was kind of pretty much chat with a kind of a quiz. A couple of questions. It, really, wouldn't I it? Quite, yeah. yeah, it's quite like quite relaxed around here. Glenn, quite, yeah. quite, you know, we don't follow the rules. I did enjoy rules. it though. That was very good. Should I, I use I, the jingle to sort of give us a sense of closure? Yeah, our jingles are on are on like top form this 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 episode, aren't they? <laughs> I think I think though our <laughs> professional attitude to podcasts sort of had when a peak, and this... now we've flattened the curve. When you edit this show, it'll just literally be jingles for about three minutes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what it is, it's the Weird British Sports Quiz. Weird British Sports Quiz. It is indeed, isn't it? Isn't it so? Mm-hmm. I, Sorry, I think, I've, I've had a large mouthful of crisps during that jingle and I, I hadn't quite finished them. I thought it was the bottle of San Pellegrino. I thought you were trying to throat it or something. No, that's it here. Oh, good. I haven't got anything at all apart from some post-its. I haven't got anything at all. Oh, what's that yeah. you've got, Simon? <laughs> I've got Is that post-its. a little link? I think it might be. There <laughs> we go. Well, we do a feature. Uh, about Simon's post-it notes, and oddly enough, I've had an had an email in. Wait a minute, let me get the jingle. Had an email in what? <laughs> had an email in Simon about one of your previous jobs. Oh um, really? Yeah. That's should fun. I play the post-it jingle? Yeah, go on. Let's pad out some time. Yes. Yes, that was the jingle for it your post notes, and we've had an we've had an email in. I think this one came through Tuesday from a man called Terry Crisps. If you remember him, oh um, Terry Crisps, yeah, I remember. Yeah, he was uh, he was uh, a crunchy guy, wasn't he? Well, he sa- he says that um, he worked with you at the RSPB. He says, Simon, is it yeah. true that when you worked with me at the RSPB in the nineteen nineties, that there was a dispute on the land that you were tending between two groups of rabbits? At one point, a smaller rabbit was chased back into his warren by a fucking big one that had a milky eye and a foaming mouth. 
And as part of his escape, he went through the Warren up a hill and met with an angry seagull with a gammy wing on a hill. You can tell that this email was written hastily. Um, mm. To help the seagull, you appeared and you said that you were a vet and you used a sort of splint to secure its wing and help it to fly off so that Watership Down could finish. However, as the plot tried to continue, it stuttered and became still after the splint you made just fell off. It was still, apart from the rabbit called Fiverr, who said, Simon, you're obviously not a shitting vet. What have you done to that gammy-winged seagull? And what was that splint thing? And you ran off saying it wasn't a splint. It was just a post-it note. Is this true? I have to say it is indeed true. It was true. It is true, but there is one important detail. Uh, it wasn't a seagull. It was a shag. All right. <laughs> so uh, it was actually a shag. Um, uh, so, uh, yeah, it had to be a bird with a funny name, really. It, it, so, uh, yeah, well, it could have been a tit. It could have been a tit. I did ponder whether or not to say tit, because we did enough tit uh, jokes in the last season, I thought. No, yeah, I'll just say we, shag we've moved on to shags this season. Yeah, we no, lost when, a few when, listeners, didn't we, over tit when, jokes? We did, yeah. I think I think the thing is we're we're more um we're more grown up now, we're more mature. So instead of mm. saying tip, I said shag, you see, because that that's also got a kind of a, a, a sort of a seventies connotation as well and, and um Yeah, and I think water yeah, no, watership more, down wasn't seventies, was it? when was that? Oh so it felt like it felt like about three decades basically, but it, I think it was the seventies, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I read it when I was at school, and uh, I remember the um, the seagull says "piss off." Yeah, and I remember he does. All all of us thinking, "Oh my god, that's like swearing," and we're like young children and yeah, stuff like that. Do you know what I mean? But I've never actually seen a seagull say that in real life, ever. No, I've I've never seen a seagull say. Piss Although, off. I mean, they they piss you off by eating your 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 chips at the uh, the seaside. Well, that that's right. Maybe if like some kind of parrot kind of thing like how how even crows can mimic can't they so maybe seagull he learned to mimic mm. i did I've an awful noticed. thing to a seagull as a kid did you really yeah you what have you noticed you and then I'll, I'll tell you my seagull. I, i've just noticed that uh glenn says what kind of audience have you got that got tired of tit jokes and glenn says i feel for them the audience so, glenn, tits. glenn has done a tit joke of his own there <laughs> You see, we, we've we've uh, we, we've we, we've we've hourly infected our audience with tit jokes, and now they're doing them. So that that's and we've lost a listener as well. There you go. Yeah. I just noticed we've let we literally lost a listener in that time that we were talking about tit jokes. Shit, I know. I mean, an audience that doesn't recognise that we're being incredibly meta and we're deconstructing. Yeah, the, we're the we're kind of we're making fun doing. of the. Yeah, we're not actually doing tit jokes. We are we're doing jokes about the idea of tit jokes. Yeah. Do you want to hear the awful thing I did to a seagull? Yes, please. When I was a child, I was on a caravan park um, with Mm. my family, and um, I think we'd come back really late and woken up the neighbour caravan. And there's this thing in caravan parks that if you piss someone off, Mm. they they chuck bread on your roof so that at five in the morning. Uh, mm. When it starts getting light, the seagulls will come down and go mental on your roof uh, for this bread, and they wake you up. It's it's really loud and quite scary. Brilliant. Um, so uh, 
they they did this for like three nights in a in a row and it, it was like Waco, Texas, like like keeping us awake, <laughs> like throwing keeping this like noise going on above us and, and yeah. at the we didn't burn ourselves um to death uh, to no. to end it. Uh so what I, I did um as a as a child was I'd brought a fishing rod and I didn't use a hook. I, mm -hmm. I tied a piece of bread to the line and mm -hmm. I didn't really expect to catch anything because no. I thought like I could I don't, I don't know what I thought so anyway yeah. I cast this bread out and a massive seagull came down and um it it ate the bread like gulped mm -hmm. it straight down and I thought oh god um, yeah so I, and then it tried to fly away so my line was going like out of my fishing rod and oh I'd, I'd, I'd caught a seagull on a fish and i'm trying to reel this seagull in let's fly trying to fly away oh through 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 a piece of bread coming out of its mouth by a fishing line and the worst mm. thing was the line got caught in a tree and and i didn't want my dad to see what i'd done so i just mm. broke the line and shut the door that's like a Ken Loach film that is basically, isn't it? It's like kind of Kez too, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> but interestingly enough, you have invented a new sport there, which is bird fishing. So yeah. if you've got, got a bit of bread and stuck it on a hook, I mean, I'd use probably about two or three pound breaking strain line. Yeah, um, a barbed hook just to get it on there. Pretty pretty barbed, yeah. And then basically, yeah, no, just a little bit of shot to sort of, you know, um, weigh the line down and then... Uh, yeah. yeah, but would you would you put them in a keep net or would you whack them over the head with a priest? That's the thing, you see. I don't know. I think I'd just whack it. I, I don't know. Well, if it had a bad wing, I know what you'd do with it with your post-it notes. Well, that precisely, yeah, I would I would fix it. But uh, my mate John, when we used to go fishing, if it, when, when he caught a fish, um, he couldn't be bothered to get the hook out of its mouth or anything like that, so he just used to stamp on it. No. Yeah, he, I saw him stamp on a perch once on a riverbank, and it just exploded. It just, it was alive, and then he stamped on it, and then it just exploded. Oh no! And, uh, I know. And and on a comedy podcast, that what we've actually done there is inserted something so bleak and so so terrifying. What a strong brutal. image. How old it is? I I was about I don't know thirteen, fourteen, I think. See, I remember fishing's a sport, so we can talk about fishing. I remember being yeah. of a similar age and I'd cycled up to a pond and me and my mm. friend Ben had, had um, spent our pocket money on some brightly coloured maggots and were oh, fishing yeah. for some roach and some perch in this pond. And then some oh, big yeah. lads came over and mm. um, threw our bikes in and said they were going to get us unless we ate the maggots. So these oh, no. big, big lads fed us maggots. Well, it's funny you say that because they are a source of protein, aren't they? Oh yeah, but I've, they're so, on markets now, aren't they? Like Amazon sell sell them for people to eat, like mealworms and that. It's funny you say that because I remember as a kid going into f to fishing tackle shops, and you'd go out the back, and they used to have those like uh, chest freezers, and they'd lift them up, and um, they'd have all these uh, boxes full of maggots, and then you'd ask for a, you you had to get your maggots Pint. in pints, yeah, yeah, yeah. to get so they got those beveled pint glasses, and you get like a pint of bronzes or a pint of you know white maggots. Yeah, and, you and know they, they were dozy when they were cold, but when they warmed up, you had to flick them, didn't you, to make them tense up so you could put them on the hook. I mean, that's a technique I've used quite a lot as an adult, actually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, should we do something different now? Yeah, should we? Should we do a feature rather than just chat about fishing? 
yeah should we just do the big final finish the big interview and the, what about ashley tisdale where where does she fit into this oh yeah sure <laughs> <laughs> it's gone out should the we, we could today. end well we could end with ashley tisdale couldn't we we'll end with tisdale it's not a long one we'll end with yeah just slip tisdale in just at the end and then uh... hey it's not a long one all right then it's not a long one is it right no, the horn won't go for that one. Uh, okay then. So, um, have you got a jingle for the for the interview? I do have a jingle for the <coughs> interview, and I'll play it now. Okay. Is this on silent? Or something? Yeah, oh, here we go. Sorry. As part of this pledge, they put their ears to the ground, their noses to the grindstone, and their voluptuous lips to the microphones, and sourced the following interview. This is, of course, the interview. Hello. Are you uh, Jimmy Two Hands? That's right. I'm Jimmy Two Hands. Hello, Jimmy. Or shall I call you Mr. Two Hands? No, you can call me Jim Lad. Jim Lad. Okay. Are you a pirate then or something? Jim Jim the lad. Jim the lad. Okay. So um, it's it's a real honour to have Jimmy Two Hands with us in the studio today. Jimmy Two Hands is a uh, um, uh, an ex illegal boxer. Grew up in uh, terrible circumstances. Um, became a bit of a legend in the sport, and now is uh, one of the country's foremost ornament collectors. That's so, right. Jimmy, too right. So Jimmy, Jim lad. Jim Bo Boy, Jim Bob, it's so lovely to have you here. Um, Young Jimmy Malad. Jimmy Malad, yes, that's right. Can I ask you a question? Of course you can, fella. Where did you grow up, Jimmy Two Hands? Well, I was born in East London, but I ended up in an orphanage because I couldn't get along with the accent like you couldn't in last episode, and I couldn't get on with, my, dare you. with my parents, so I went with them in Essex without them. Right. Because you get it, because Witham, you... Witham is a place in Essex, isn't it? Oh, yes. That's I went right. with That's them good. without yeah. them. At least I did an accent last time. <laughs> <laughs> was that was that the answer to the question, Jimmy? That's right. Good. good. Well, that, was, <laughs> that was very good. Shall I go on to number two, or is there more... Comedy gold to come. Oh, it's plenty more where that came from, sunshine. Wow, this is oh, Jimmy, this is I. I can't tell you how excited I am to be interviewing you finally. Um, not question, off. not off. No question number two. Can you remember your first fight? Oh, my first fight. Well, um, I can. <laughs> Good. And, uh, That's handy, isn't it? <laughs> it was. It was over a can of spam at school, but I tell you what, the most interesting one was my last fight that I ever watched. It was most interesting. So what happened, right, was I was told about an illegal fight club between some nuns, all right? And um, yeah. this this would go on late at night, so I had to lie to the missus, you know, um, and say to her, you know, I'm working late, I'm, I'm training, you know. So mm -hmm. I was going to this fight club. Anyway, the missus starts thinking, that um, I'm having an affair. So I said, no, no, I'll put my hands up. I've been going to illegal nun fights, you know. So she says, I've got to see this for myself. So I took mm. her along to one, you know. Of course, I had to prove myself. I'm a man of my word. Um, so we go to this nun fight, and they're battering each other. So anyway, this nun wins, 
and she mm-hmm. comes over to me after she's won this fight and she plants a big kiss on right on my lips. I thought, oh my God, my missus is going to have my guts for garters. I turn around and she's seen the whole thing. And uh, that's why nowadays I always say, never take a wife to a nun fight. <laughs> well, that's wonderful advice for our <laughs> listeners there. Um, of course it is. I have to say, well, you see, the thing is, if you go to a nun fight, you you, you know, you then can't stop going, can you? Because it, it becomes a habit. <laughs> Doesn't it? Why did you get the horn? Why did I get the horn, Jimmy? Well, because... I wanted the horn. You wanted the horn, didn't you? I'm sorry. Well, I'll give you the horn another another, uh, question. I'll give you you the opportunity. Have you got another question for me? I've got another question for you. In fact, Jimmy Two Hands, it's about your name. Where did you get that crazy name from then, Well, um, Jimmy? I'll give you the answer, but it, it would it would be better answered um, yeah. by in the form of a dramatic monologue that was written and performed by my good pal Danny Hammers, and uh, he's he's a bit of an avant garde kind of fella. Um, Is he so really? yeah, you'll you'll have to excuse this one, but uh, pl- please do in, do enjoy this uh, this theatrical performance about how I got my name. Jimmy Two Hands. He had two hands. That's what he had. Hands. Two of them. More hands than you could shake your own hands at. Then he was a boxer. A little fella, bantamweight, like a riled budgie, with his little chest up and all about. I remember when I was at school, getting changed. I saw him. This lad who had a pigeon chest, it buckled forward. I wondered, would that be good for a boxer, you know, to deflect the punches? You could get a procedure for that nowadays, of course. Breeze blocks, holes in the nipples, that sort of thing. Now, a boxer don't need a glass chest or he'd give a game away. Now, this lad couldn't fight his way out of a cobweb. All the old tricks, you know, he'd fill the, fill the glove with Lego to make it hurt more. But he was a bottler, a choker, a sally in the edge. Replaced his opponent's shorts with ballast once. And he was a filthy fighter. Used all sorts of mind tricks too, like remote psychic warfare and all that. But in that ring, eh? With the spectacle of it, ducking and weaving as the cameras flashed, it was enough to make him want to give up using the oscillators to illegally enhance his structural frequencies. But he was kind to his mother, and that goes a long way in the 20th century. He was a cyborg, really, when all said and done. He had two hands, that's what he had. Hands. Two of them. I love the fact that in order to answer that question, you hired a professional professional actor and, and, and created a monologue to answer it. That's just the way I roll in it. It is, isn't it? Yeah. No, you've got you've got all the bases covered, so to speak, haven't you? Well, it's sort of like your baseball uh, thing earlier. All the bases is. covered. <laughs> well, you've stepped up to the plate there, haven't you? <laughs> See what I did there? I do indeed. And, and anyway, anyway, shut the fuck up. What was the world of illegal boxing like? Well, I tell you what. The first rule of illegal mm. boxing. Is yeah. that you have to break the law. See, normally you, to make it illegal, you have to you have to break the law by assaulting someone or yeah. something. All right. Mm. Now conventional <coughs> conventional rules don't apply. <laughs> yeah. You just you just batter anything that you put in front of, right? And that's what I do, me. Yeah. I, I, you know, a man, a wallaby, a canister, mm. a photographic film, I batter it. I think probably the most illegal box that I ever did 
was uh, whilst smoking and boxing indoors after the smoking ban. And I was oh, drunk. Yeah. I was drunk driving a scooter at the time inside the ring without a license. So I, yeah. I used to have the world record for the most illegal boxing match with that one, uh, but not anymore. Wow, that's an incredible answer to the question. So basically, illegal boxing is just any kind of boxing where one or both of the uh, pugilists has actually committed a crime. What, well, directly committing the crime during the boxing match? <laughs> or you can commit the crime. So if I, if I was doing a boxing match and then failed to um, declare one of my cars uh, with a statutory off-road notice then I'd be doing illegal boxing, would I? Absolutely, or, or, or even if you if you were double parked. Yeah, out with, the, out with the car outside the venue while I was boxing. Yeah, that's, that's right, or, or even in a, in a loading zone. I mean, that, it, all, it all adds up, all these illegalities. In, well, of course, in the lockdown, of course, boxing would be illegal anyway because you're not six foot apart from each other, are you? So yeah, well, I've got a good reach, but not quite a good reach as that. <laughs> No, that's right. I haven't. I mean, certainly my arms don't reach six foot. So uh... can we can we get a badder ching from Glenn? <laughs> you got both of those for that joke. Yeah. Right. Question number five. Moving away from the illegal uh, cremation boxing, as you <coughs> mentioned before, how how did you get into ornament collecting? Now I should say it's not. It's something that I got into later in the game. Um, it's simple, mate. Basically, I ended up lumbered with this cabinet and it had loads of sections, right? Mm -hmm. So I, I hadn't been boxing for years. I'd got all this money. I hadn't got much time. So right. I, I just wanted to fill up the sections of my cabinet. So first I got this. Um, it was a frog playing a banjo from a boot sale in 88. Yeah. Oh, Pretty yeah. nice ornament. Uh, next, I moved on to a Bo Peep helping the sheep over the fence. And oh. I, I used to sit there looking at that one. It used to put me right to sleep. Lovely. Mm. And then after that, I went mental with it. I, I had yeah. loads of cash from the fights and yeah. um, all the time in the world. So I, I got, I've, I've got the German and the English version of ceramic farmer resting under a tree with wheat in his mouth. And you can imagine <laughs> that the wheat in his mouth is fucking delicate as you can imagine. So I <laughs> I suppose it's the challenge of handling the fragile ornaments with my old boxer's yeah. hands that's sort of like the sport I do now. I, I can't even imagine how they could fashion wheat, wheat in a ceramic farmer's mouth. As I said, it was fucking delicate. The filaments must be just extraordinarily thin and fragile. I think they must have done it with glass or something and then painted oh, it in afterwards. Or something. Absolutely. Know, but it's it would, a marvel. It would, it would arouse you, wouldn't it? If you saw it, it would, it would certainly get you swelling up, wouldn't it? Because it's... It must be amazing, amazing filigree work to to get you know the 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 wheat you know. Yeah, I mean a diameter, a diameter of that rod of wheat. Could you Minuscule. see the in, Could you see the individual kind of ribs on the on on the wheat on the on the stalk and that? Oh, the, de the detailing's there, man. Like, oh. you, if, if you've got yeah. your magnifying glass out, you know, oh, I'm sure yeah. if, if there was any kind of weevil in that wheat, you'd be able to see it, you know what I mean? Oh, fucking hell. You wouldn't need a flashlight, would you, after after that, would you? I mean, that's that would no. get you off. That would get you off quick enough, wouldn't it? <laughs> Just looking at the filigree work on the... I can't, I can't use one of them, mate. I'm old school. I use a sock and an old Pringles tube. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you could... Uh, yeah, you could um, right. clamp it 
down the side of the washing machine while it's going around for like e- mm. extra vibration, couldn't you? You could, yeah. I suppose you could do that, yeah. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> what flavour of Pringles? <laughs> Salt and vinegar or broad oh, cocktail. Yeah. Especially if there's still some of the powder left in there because that, that adds an extra, an extra freeze on, doesn't it? Yeah, that's definitely going to get things going, isn't it? Fucking hell. Anyway, I don't know how we got into that, but uh, no. <laughs> number six, <laughs> what's your biggest regret? Well, I tell you what, regrets. I have had a few, and I have tell you? you what, I have <laughs> too few to mention. Yeah, probably or too many to mention. Oh, too yeah. too many, mate. But yeah, if you get my reference, okay, regrets. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I wanted to be a crooner, so today I'm going to sing you a little ditty called Jump. By Van Halen. Oh, I love this song. Can I can I kind of uh, play along with it? You certainly can. All right, I'll, I should be ready. Okay, you can hear it. Yes. Oh. Instrumental, fifteen seconds. <laughs> I don't think those are the lyrics. I don't think uh, Philip Roth sang that, did he? Oh, get up! Uh, and nothing gets me down. No. You got it tough. Yes. Oh, I've seen the toughest around. <laughs> and I know. Yeah. Baby, just how you feel. That's good. You got a rahu rahu wow with the punches to get you what's a real laugh. Can't you see me standing here? I got my back against a record machine. I ain't the worst that you've seen. Can't you see what I mean? Mean? Oh, I might as well jump. Might as well jump. Go ahead and jump. Go ahead and jump. Oh, oh, hey, you who said that, baby. How you been? You say you don't know or you won't know until you begin. So can't you see me standing here? I've got my bag against the record machine. No, I, I ain't the worst that you see. It's, it's a podcast, I can't see How that. can't you see what I mean? Not at all, no. Well, you might as well jump. Go and jump. Oh, I might as well jump. Go ahead and jump. Jump. Uh, Instrumental break, 45 seconds. That's Eddie Van Halen, isn't it? It's extraordinary song. It's powerful. It is powerful, isn't it? Yeah. I, I would have had salt and vinegar too. Already salted, maybe. Oh, oh, oh god, don't get me started on broad cocktail. Very spicy. 
sound effect. I love it. I'm doing it at the right bit in the song as well. Might as well jump. Okay. Go ahead and jump. Go ahead and jump. Go ahead and jump. 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 A minute. Jump. Go ahead and jump. Oh, I've got there before you, though, sorry. Jump. There you go. Jump. 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 Thank you. Oh, I'm still jumping, sorry. Oh, there he goes. There you go. There Jimmy, Jimmy two hands. <laughs> right. Well, thank you very much, Jimmy. That was fascinating. He's already gone, it. Simon. He's, he's, oh, is he? Oh, yeah, he sorry. jumped. It's funny because your voice and his are very similar. So <laughs> yeah. I, I could have been led to believe that it was still Jimmy two hands. <laughs> But what an extraordinary interview that was. It was fascinating. Yeah. I, I learned so much about about everything there. and uh, Boxing, ornaments, fleshlights. <laughs> you know, all the things you'd really want in an interview. Yeah. I bet you don't get that on Antiques Roadshow. No, you don't. Or the Joe Rogan podcast. No, absolutely not. No. Oh. Tisdale? Yeah, go on then. My back's killing me after that. Is it really? <laughs> yeah. I was really getting into it. Um, well, you're very good. It's <laughs> really impressive. Tisdale time. Tisdale time. It's the Tisdale connection. It's the Tisdale connection. What is the connection between today's topic and Ashley Tisdale? So Fuck. today's Ashley Tisdale connection yeah. is on the subject of sport. And... How do we link Ashley Tisdale to sport? Well, Ashley Tisdale is a king gym goer and loves to keep active. My Google is full of images of her showing off her toned abdominal muscles as, as gossip magazines talk about her new sports bras. And maybe what you don't know is that she actually visited a basketball game in 2017 and was and was snapped by the paparazzi there. But why did she attend just one game? I hear you mm. ask. Well, it was as a way. It's as a as a way. Just asking the question. asking the question. As a way to reunite with her friend and her high school musical co-star Vanessa mm. Hudgens. The mm. match was between the Detroit Pistons and the LA Lakers, and they mm. took selfies there and ate snacks together. And so did Tisdale and Hudgens. <laughs> That's that. I mean, she really has got a finger in so many different things, hasn't she? Yeah, I mean, it, it, the pictures are fantastic. It's just her and Hudgens just en enjoying what looks like cheesy nachos with their fingers in cheesy nachos. Yep, yep. Just digging right on in there. Are, are yep. they like the American nachos? What? What, what, like their nickname is a duo. 
<laughs> like Tisdale and Hutchins. You yeah. said you said cheesy nachos. What? How do how do English people say it? Not nachos. I think we say nachos just like they Nacho. do in America. Yeah, but... in the north, like Bath and Bath. In the south, we say nachos. <laughs> yes, of course we do. <laughs> I went in Tesco's the other day and said, could I have six nachos? Yeah. And they said, why are you talking? You haven't got your mask on. Shut up. Go away. And we shut as well. Also, so, follow um, the fucking arrows. Well, absolutely. They're, the Tesco's and their arrows, it's like being in some kind of OCD playground, isn't it? Do you know what yeah. I mean? It's <laughs> just like, you've got to follow the arrows. I know I've never followed an arrow in my life. And I'm not. I'm not going to start doing it now. Thank you very much. It's just all because of that foreign germ. It is, isn't it? For, bloody foreign germs coming over here and taking our homegrown germs jobs. You know? <laughs> yeah. Whatever happened to a good old British cold, eh? My yeah, lungs used. Old... My lungs were fucked because of the '60s pea supers. All the coal and the soot in the air. But now Absolutely. all the all the foreign germs have cleaned up the skies and we just get ill. Do you know what? When I was a lad, right, you could go out, you could get the flu, you could get a cold, you could get the norovirus, you could get all of that, and it was all British, and it, you'd have it for five days, it'd go right through you, and how was that? You know, proper British diseases. Nowadays, you've got yeah. all this all this stuff, you know, like all this migrant, like, coronavirus and all that coming over. Do you know what I mean? It's not it's not right, you know? And, and like, you know, there's always loads of them, and, and they always want a house, don't they? Um, coronaviruses, they always want a house, and they always <laughs> want your job, and they always want benefits, don't they? Bloody coronavirus coming over here. Do you know what I mean? You know, I know bloody, exactly what you I'll mean. Tell you, it's a, I'll tell you what it is. It's a bloody pandemic, mate. That's what it is. It's yeah. a bloody pandemic of it. Do you know what I mean? Of course, can't say that nowadays, can you? Can't say that now. No, when the PC, PC, PC come, brigade on your on your back come and arrest you for saying it's a global pandemic. Yeah, and they, and they get, you know you get in trouble. PC brigade going around tearing down our statues of of slave owners. Well, we love right, our yeah. statues of slave owners. We do. We do. I I think there should be more slave owners statues put can, up. I, can I you think... believe that? Just as an aside from this, like yeah. I, I saw that about ten minutes before we went live on this podcast, yeah. and I thought, what on earth was a statue, a bronze statue of a slave owner doing in a in the middle of a town? I, not a lot. I was just, just standing there, given it's an inanimate object, and also. Um, mm. I, I, I can't remember the exact year, but when when um, slavery was abolished in England, all the and all the slaves yeah. were given their freedom. Um, yeah. the, the government it was the equivalent of sixteen billion in today's money. Yeah. The government gave that much in uh, payments to like loss of property to the slave owners and yes. their families, and that was going on. Those payments were still going on until twenty fourteen to the descendants of these slave owners. Like, what, I, I mean, the Brit. The British Empire was built on slavery, wasn't it? It was just built on a network of, of atrocity, wasn't it? Well, I was never taught that in school. We just we were told no. about South Africa, we were told about the yeah. Romans, we were told about the Tudors, but none of the stuff that actually went on. Can I just um, can I just uh, uh, get you to hold that thought briefly? As yeah. I, just, I appear to have um, come across the fact that our live cast is currently being used as a meetup place for several people so nida river nymph and, and knows glenn yeah and i i'm your daddy has just arrived as well and they're all like having a chat with each other while oh, we're yeah. doing our comedy well, stuff i'm assuming glenn 
Glenn put in a good word for us. Oh, Glenn says I also do a live cast on here as well. So maybe Glenn's doing his live cast as well. Well, oh, no, while... it's a parasitic live cast. He's jumped onto <laughs> us as a host, and he's... he has. He's he's the coronavirus of podcasts, isn't he? He's basically he's. Um... Oh, and and Nida is uh, is learning so I can continue mine as well. So all oh, right, so, so are we like a kind of a masterclass for you for for like a, a masterclass on how <laughs> to do podcasts? Because I mean, if you if you want to, we can give you loads and loads of tips on how to do like a, an incredibly you know, um, well-attended, um, well-received uh, podcast. And, yep. uh, you know, because I'm we're, you... We can teach accents. We can teach you how to jingle. We've, yeah. got, we've got the skills. Yeah, Glenn says I've learned a lot of what not to do. Um, <laughs> I think that's that's not very charitable, Glenn, is it? Because you've enjoyed listening to everything, you know. Yeah, uh, you liked our jokes. Yeah, you liked you're... our jokes. Now you've and, got your own now, audience. You're throwing it in our faces. Yeah, I'm your honest. daddy. Says you, you V guys are the masters. And Ida says lol, and then Glenn's now crying three times with his three heads, his three tiny round that's, heads. That's very, that's very nice. I'm your daddy, but um, you've yeah. only been here three minutes, so. <laughs> but I mean, Nida says not at all. Not at all, guys. Lol. I think they like us really, don't they, Sam? Yeah, but, but it's, well, we, it's we put effort in. Yeah, this is the kind of podcast banter, isn't it? So it's the sort of, you know, the, the banter between professionals like us. You know, we, we can take it, can't we? You know? Yeah. Um, we, we give as good as we get. We do, don't we? Yes, that's right. And um, so, yeah, so I think I think the podcast is kind of gradually sort of... Petering like out, a, isn't it? Yeah, like a car that's running out of petrol that's kind of teetering on the edge of a... Of a, of a small cliff um, where our podcast is gradually <laughs> grinding down, isn't it? Like, uh, like you know, uh, in the seventh age on... Um, on uh, uh, just like me. From, as you like it. Like, like me, just sort of making my way down to the last... Sacred cow. E-I-E-I-O.